0: Hello, my name is Declan Deneen, welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. Happy New Year, everybody! This all seems to be going so fast. It was Christmas just a few days ago. I hope everybody uh, is is excited about the the new year ahead. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, it's it's a weird one. Like twenty sixteen is you know oh god it's the worst year ever and stuff and like politically socially it was it was pretty traumatic. Um, personally, I had, you know, a relatively decent year. I've, I've absolutely loved doing this show, and uh, I'm very excited about the about the year ahead. I've got some uh, some amazing guests and episode ideas lined up, uh, including today's um, first guest of the new year is Alex Kretowski. Um Now, most people will remember Alex uh, if you if you're, if you're of, of a similar age to me, which I imagine most of my listeners are. Um, Alex is one of the presenters of Bits on Channel Four back in the the Late 90s and early aught, she's also a producer on that show. Um, and now she, she is uh, she's a PhD in psychology. She presents Digital Human on uh Radio Four and is just an amazing essayist and, and academic and really super fascinating person. Especially because, and this sounds like a bit of a, a misnomer, but especially because she stopped playing games around about seven years ago. And um, we get into the the whys and wherefores of that too. Uh, it's a really thoroughly amazing chat and also. This was all recorded while Alex was kind of strolling around Los Angeles. So it has a kind of, I don't know, I quite enjoyed it. It was like a little walk in the park and it has some odd interruptions, which I thought were, were going to be annoying, but I think make it a little bit charming. Uh, so I really I really do hope you, you enjoy it. Oh, I should also mention uh, at the, the beginning of the episode, I talk about um, a recent episode of Digital Human that Alex had made. Uh, but this was recorded ages ago. This was on the 7th of November, I think we recorded this um so that might not be the most recent episode so i've put a link to it in the show notes and also we talk about this article this amazing article that brie code wrote um and i've put a link to that as well we only talk about it for about 10 minutes but for for context you might want to give those a listen and a read and and also just because they're they're excellent if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can email it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com also on twitter at Checkpoint show and on facebook at checkpoints very important to have consistent branding and, and please do like the page on Facebook and, and follow the show on Twitter. Uh, I, can't, I can't promise any scintillating content. It is essentially uh, listings of the episodes and me retweeting praise. Uh, but it makes me feel very good. It makes the show look better. And, and you know, if you're honest with yourself, it, it makes you feel good too. If you really like the show, uh, we have a Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints. Uh, if you have money and the inclination... All donations are very gratefully received. They help me make the show much better. Got relatively a few relatively ambitious episodes uh, planned for this year, so any kind of financial support is is hugely uh, beneficial. And also, it's just it's again it's the ultimate kind of I like this show. I'm willing to to put some money on it, which uh, is always a, a wonderful gesture. I should say actually that people have been very kind. Uh, I noticed all through December um checkpoints was the most recommended games and hobbies podcast on uh, on overcast which i admit is a, a fairly niche audience but i i'm i'm grasping that with with both hands i hope you enjoy this episode thanks so much for listening as always i'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest until then let's get on with the show Hi Alex, how are you?
1: Good. Is this good enough audio quality? I'm afraid I'm under a flight path.
0: You're under a flight <laughs> path. Where, where are you? I, I assumed you'd a flight be in path. London. I'm but... sitting,
1: I'm sitting on a, a street and there's a kitty playground just down the road. Um, <laughs> Los Angeles.
0: How come? Is, it, is this just to be there for the uh, the big election day?
1: Sadly, no. Um, I moved out here about a year and a half ago. Um, really? just yeah just for a little while it, it was supposed to be just a year uh, it's dragging on <laughs> but the benefit is that i can sit in the sunshine and um get a sunburn on the 6th of november 7th of november
0: i'm profoundly jealous because it is absolutely <laughs> yeah. freezing here in glasgow
1: yeah um, i know unbearably sunny. i'm sorry <laughs> i'm <laughs> no, that so is sorry.
0: such a uh, patronizing no, i'm so sorry as you bask no, I in the am. sunshine of los angeles i
1: I desperately miss it i lived in la when i was a kid and you know got used to no seasons and then i moved to dc and was sicker than i've ever been in my life because suddenly <laughs> there was there was a season and then i continued to move north and north and north um and now for my sins i've ended up back here but it's a long story and it's fine and it's good i'm here
0: how exciting i'm i'm, I'm yeah i have so many things i'd like to ask you alex but since we, we have uh, we have a limited window, let us uh, yes let let's us let us press on. So I'll do I'll do a, a formal introduction for the okay. the sake of occasion. So Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. If you don't Thank mind, you. would you introduce yourself?
1: Sure, my name is Alex Kretowski. And I am a, uh, I suppose I'm an academic and journalist is what my bio says. And I have been studying the psychology of our digital experiences for, oh God, a really long time now. Yeah. Uh, I, started, I started in 1999 and it's not 1999
0: anymore, is it? It's a, a whole brave new world. Actually, I just listened to the, yeah. the latest episode of, um, of Digital Human and it was amazing. Yeah. It was such a good episode. Oh, good! I'm glad. Um, I'm it,
1: really glad to hear that.
0: No, it was it was it was fascinating. It was, it was really interesting because there was I don't know if you would have seen this earlier, but um, uh, do you know? Are you, do you know Bree Code, the writer? Yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful, and she wrote a really brilliant piece earlier on today um, about about video games and about how kind of how how video games are kind of boring um, because you know it's clearly something she has a passion for, and she's kind of dedicated many many years of her life to it. And it's kind of, it was, she'd had this realization that for years she's been trying to sort of get her friends who have no interest in games interested in games in various different ways. And then she just realized that maybe, like, like maybe they just, the games aren't interesting enough. Or maybe they're not giving people the things that, that they want, essentially. That video games is kind of a yeah. closed, it's a closed loop, essentially. So the people it who make them and play is. them are doing it for the same people. And then that alongside the... the the digital human episode about you know using virtual reality especially to kind of shift perspectives and to give people experiences i thought it was a really neat kind of confluence of ideas because there's so many Mm. we're probably on the the precipice of of something i think um what that is who knows but it it certainly feels like the the sounds are shifting a little bit
1: well i'm all down a car (laughs) <laughs> there it goes. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> delighted to hear that. I'm really, really pleased. We did think long and hard about just focusing on virtual reality because, you know, I've lived through several technology um, bubbles in terms of, you know, this is going to change the world. This is going to solve all problems. And everybody from state departments to NGOs jumps on board. The one that's most, um, the one that's sort of most salient in my life is Second Life. I watched it grow from 1500 people when I started to participate in it to study it um for my field work for my phd and by the time i finished (laughs) the damn thing had grown to 17 million people who were involved that was really irritating because i was trying to network map the entirety of second life and that would have been difficult with 1500 people and it was literally impossible with 17 million Um, but you know that that was that was the great hope in terms of, you know, how people were going to develop empathy and, and how people were going to get sympathy and people were building the Hajj in Second Life and people were building, you know, schizophrenic experiences in Second Life and people, you know, Swedish embassy was in Second Life and all that kind of stuff. And, and it then fizzled out. So I'm I was a little bit nervous the producer and i have talked at great length about this but i was a little bit nervous about sort of pinning so much hope on on virtual reality but i'm really glad that it that it worked that um that my 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 sort of nascent cynicism <laughs> perhaps came through let's not say cynicism let's just say um objective criticism absolutely came through, uh a i mean bit. So it does good. feel
0: like like that that was generally the the mood i felt between you know myself and many of my friends that who had kind of <laughs> This car going past. This is like we're playing street that hockey. It's like that scene in I Wayne's know, World where you have to keep moving the goalposts. I
1: should totally. And mm. now I need to tell you when he's coming.
0: It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but ev- everyone was obviously a little bit kind of, you know, we've we seen the original kind of big clunky virtual reality units and stuff. But it seems this time around, everybody is really into it. Like it seems to just be kind of clicking in, in, in ways that it never did before. So it's very exciting period. Indeed. It could be its moment. It could be I've not tried it yet though. Have you tried? It? I'm, no, you have tried it. You've talked about it in the show
1: I've yeah, I've tried a couple um, I've I tried the autism one which is very uh, engrossing and also claustrophobic um, I've tried one that the Guardian made about solitary confinement also claustrophobic yeah. uh, I tried one uh, that the New York Times released ages ago, which is sort of room full of dancers Which was really lovely and very yeah. situated um I still think that, you know, the, the, the greatest barrier to, to entry is these stupid, bloody glasses and how totally um, solitary it is. You know, for me, I think that, that games became more interesting um, as multiplayer became more interesting, you know, where, where you could communicate with people, even if it was just by voice. You felt yeah. like you were part of a, a group and it became less this, this loop you know that you were talking about before where it's just people talking to themselves um in terms of making them and enjoying them you know once it did start to get more social the lowest hanging fruit for that was you know well i was obsessed with singstar for a long time but you know the 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 ways that people were were interacting with the physical space yeah have that with microsoft and connect and stuff now um but it was itoy that really that really ushered that in um way back in the day and you know that that made it accessible to everyone. Car so, coming. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it's interesting
0: because they they do have it is Sony that does seem to have kind of nailed it at the moment precisely because of that the the, the fact that they've they they kind of transmit the the experience onto the screen as well as the person um, as well as to the person in the headset so it does become communal they've even started making games where you know you have this sort of two player element where somebody's playing on the screen and somebody is inside the, the world interacting with things, which I think is oh, so much potential. It's very exciting.
1: Yeah, and I think more than anything else, the real the, the problem with the gaming community still is that it is a zero-sum game. Unless you are completely into it and you totally buy in, then you're rejected. You're not even catered for necessarily. Yeah. And I think that that's, that itself within the industry... And within the player community is, is the sort of the, the death knell um, for it. Because if, you know, if if Bree is saying, you know, my friends just aren't into gaming, well, maybe they are. But in the same way that I can't watch deep art house cinema like I used to when I lived in Glasgow and worked in the GFT, because I literally do not have the time, nor do I have the access anymore to that. Yeah. Kind of thing. I I have to skip along the surface, and I have to consume film when I can, and I enjoy it when I do. But I don't have the opportunity to to go deep anymore, and to really explore the you know the the awkward Canadian indie scene like <laughs> I used to be obsessed with. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I don't enjoy it. You know, yeah. the the expectation that I have to be all or nothing is I think a downfall.
0: Absolutely. A car.
1: Same car. Oh, there was a little bit of music that
0: time. It. That was nice.
1: I know. Um, there we go.
0: Well, let's let let us let's, let's meander um, into the past. So, uh, if you can remember, Alex, what was your your very first experience of a video game?
1: I can remember, and I can remember exactly where it was because I've been driving by it a lot lately. It was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where my dad was living, and it was on the old Highland Road. Was it on the, yeah, the old Highland Road. There was a laundromat where Dad used to do his laundry. And next door was a um, was a good old-fashioned arcade with wood-paneled walls and boxes that were far too tall and far too crammed into the space. And my first experience was Pac-Man and running directly into the ghosts. And then I got really good at Centipede, and I was obsessed with a bowling game that you used you bowled with the ball. You know that was the era of the kind of novelty um, controllers on arcade machines. And I also loved Frogger uh for which i i still think i'm particularly good but in the real world because i can avoid <laughs> cars pretty well but yeah no there's i mean it was it was truly i that was where i was i was young you know i was not i wasn't sort of like the teenagers who were there
0: yeah uh,
1: looking like you know like elder statesmen i was i was a kid i was a teeny little kid but i specifically remember that that was my first my first foray into uh into video games
0: and and did it kind of stick were you then like looking for that experience wherever you could because you seem to have had quite a sort of you've lived in all sorts of places alex you you, you're truly a a globe yeah
1: well well, at the time um i don't think we had did we have the atari 2600 i recently found it i think we had the 2600 i didn't have pitfall i had to go to the neighbor's house to play pitfall i remember that but we had the atari 2600 and my mum my parents were divorced and so they lived in different cities okay. and my mom had said well would you like uh, a NES? would you like uh, uh, a would you would you like a NES? would you like a, a, a games machine I was like no I don't I don't want one but we had adopted the Intellivision like, this is seriously going way back we had adopted an Intellivision and, and my life sort of sank into Intellivision poker <laughs> um, and blackjack <laughs> Um, well, say, Why did you say no to the, the NES, though? I well, just simply wasn't interested. I didn't, I didn't want it. um But I lost myself to, to poker and blackjack and World Series uh, at my mom's house, and to Pitfall and text adventures at my dad's house, um and Pac Man and, and Battleship and things like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I never, I didn't want one at home. I didn't, I wasn't interested in having one at home. Um,
0: did, I you, too did you much play TV, with TV? Like, thank you very much. Other, did you play with other people? Was that part of it? Was it like a social yeah, thing Yeah, I did, went round yeah? to
1: my friend Isabel's. Yeah, I went round to Isabel's house and she had a NES, so we played Super Mario Brothers, and and that was what we did. We we'd hang out and play Super Mario Brothers and gossip and stuff. Um, but I I had I had no interest. I remember a friend of mine had a Sega, and that was very exciting because it was. And that was very exciting because it was literally like the first Sega, which meant it was the first Sonic, and Sonic was just blew my mind because it was so fast I couldn't get my head around it. But no, I mean I I was I just I, I didn't want one in the house, um, uh, but I still quite happily played them when I was at other people's homes.
0: So you weren't seeking them out then? They were just kind of a, a, a no. pleasant background home to a absolutely a, a happy absolutely they were,
1: yeah. They were part of. They were. They were part of my life, but they weren't. They, it was not the only part of my life. Um, and then when I, when I got older, um, a friend of mine was really into gaming, and I liked him. <laughs> 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 and so to preserve that relationship, I really got. I got into gaming, and by that time, different things had come out beyond. You know, beyond just the the sort of. the the pac-man style adventures that i had that i had experienced before you know it was it was things like um grim fandango which delighted me he used to get magazines and stuff um
0: and and so i would look through
1: no no this isn't this is by the by this time i was living in glasgow and he would get he would get magazines and, and i'd read through and i'd find the ones that i was interested in you know it wasn't the shooters it was the it was the adventures or it was things that just compelled me in a different way and i got really into them enough that i managed to bullshit my way <laughs> into into um being one of three presenters on on bits the computer games program on on channel four
0: how on earth did that happen because i spoke to um i had uh, kirsten keeney on the show uh, way back at the oh start. my goodness yeah yeah
1: she and i studied radio together we Absolutely. Knew one another at, at the bbc
0: because I had no idea that you'd spent this time in Glasgow. It was through um, talking to, to yeah. Kirsten that that came up.
1: Yeah. So I how, got stuck in Glasgow. I, I how did you end up in Glasgow?
0: Years? Six years. Uh, I
1: studied at university. Yeah, I studied at uni there. I was uh, at Glasgow Uni. Um, I finished my I finished my junior year abroad and um, went back to the US, finished my degree and jumped on the first plane I could to come back. That's, and that's lived there. Yeah, yeah. And I think and I, it's nice I that that's it. where I, I you were. totally
0: stuck. You rediscovered video games because yeah, that is one of the reasons why Scotland. Uh, this is I've mentioned this on the show a lot. One of the reasons why Scotland is so good at making games and music and and films is because the weather is a poor. Yeah, so people people stay indoors and they <laughs> they, they, well, they enjoy a, themselves with screens.
1: I I truly love Glasgow. Right, I got stuck in Glasgow. I didn't intend to move to Scotland. Um, my, you know, I I really didn't intend to move to Scotland, but I did, and I and I absolutely loved it, and I had such a great six years living there, um, as it was full of really interesting underground, difficult art, <laughs> and and awkward music, and and people who were who were, and people who were super passionate about their creativity in a way that that I've I've only found a few other places, um, and. I just, I just loved it. I loved that vibe. I loved the excitement. I, I loved, I loved everything about discovering, um, just discovering this, this seam of creativity that was so, that was so simple, yet so difficult. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that it's not just the fact that it rains all the time, <laughs> because it bloody well does. But it's also that that people are open to it, and people Absolutely. want to push, and people people are angry enough that they won't just sit there and 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 consume. They'll be like, "No, I'm going to make my own culture because what you're making doesn't suit me," and that I I just I just adore. I yeah. just adore about that city.
0: And it's it's wonderful, and that still does exist. I I I don't mean to harp on about the weather all the time. It's just because it's become really it's, cold no, the last couple of days. But know, no, it is a I wonderful know, I... city. I'm I'm very lucky to live here. Um so so yeah. how how did it's the cool. the transition to bits happen then? So how did the, was it just like a casting call or was it somebody you knew?
1: No. Um so there was I was at I was working at BBC Scotland um making documentary series about Douglas Furs. <laughs> I was uh, making my way through the features department and loving it, absolutely loving it, but I couldn't get work within BBC Scotland. I was still sort of volunteering as it were, volunteering my time and through a friend who had also done the the course that I had done that got me into BBC Scotland, she had started working at Ideal World Productions, and Ideal World put out a call for uh, people who were really interested in cult movies. And uh, sorry, that's an airplane. And um, and I was working at the GFT at the time, still probably the best job I've ever had. And uh, I was obsessed with awkward canadian cinema (laughs) that was a really (laughs) good time for indie
0: movies as well
1: it was wonderful wonderful time for it there was so much going on and um and it was it was through that 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 i ended up meeting the folks at ideal world because they were casting for vids now they liked my they liked what i had done they liked what i had said but they ended up casting two men and so they they called me um they called me not that long after after the success of Vids, and um said well listen i don't suppose you played video games and i was like at this point i was you know i was in a relationship with somebody who loved video games and i was you know trying to compel my way (laughs) into into staying in that relationship (laughs) and i was like sure yeah i do and i was able through you know through my experience with um with my ex who at the time wasn't my ex but you know I was able to, to convince them that I knew what, what I was talking about. And it turns out that I actually did know what I was talking about. Um, but I always had a, a little bit of a, a different view on it, a view on games. I was never satisfied by just looking at them and reviewing them straight. Uh, yeah. My my interests have always erred towards the psychological and the sociological, and so I, I tended to look at them that way. Uh, and that's, I think, ultimately what, what appealed to ideal world about about me and what i could offer to that program and so
0: did, did you have but, that level of bizarre control though
1: silly time that was i swear what a ridiculous time that was thinking back on it now <laughs> holy crap that was almost you know that was that was 20 years ago that was 20 years ago 20 and i literally ago. it was like it was 17 I, it was yeah okay it's 20 years ago fine, and fine, i literally fine. still get a a tweet a day from somebody at least one tweet a day from somebody saying are you that person off bits or i really loved bits it was, like, it was a big show this is amazing
0: it was the first kind of oh it was proper it was it adult was awesome. video game show it was amazing
1: it was ridiculous it was absolutely ridiculous and we were just having a laugh and we were having such a ridiculously good time just making it up as we went along doing it all on peanuts like literally no money no money i, I could barely even pay for my rent <coughs> but yeah it, it was that's that's just how it was
0: but you were saying about you know you, you had these kind of you were looking at games from a different perspective and you know that absolutely you got that through the show it wasn't it wasn't that was one of the reasons why it felt adult, not just because it was kind of late night and was allowed to be rude if it wanted to be but because it had yeah different viewpoints and so how much input yeah. were you able to have in that like like all of you a hundred percent a
1: hundred percent I actually assistant produced uh, two of the series. Absolutely, 100%. We all wrote and played and did absolutely everything. We would script the entire program together. It was so awesome. And was and it's that actually, like a
0: part of the contract, though? Because that seems crazy.
1: no. No, I think that they were quite surprised at how involved we were. We were so involved. We were like we would phone up the companies themselves and say, "Please, can you send us this game?" We guided, <laughs> undoubtedly, we guided the selection of the games for a really long time for a really long time, until finally we realized that we just couldn't do it, and we ended up getting a researcher. I, we were so, so, so deeply involved um, in the in the series. and it was just, you know, we felt like a gang of just a gang. <laughs> and, the- and it was so much fun.
0: I I think this is really interesting because I've been speaking to a lot of people recently, like episodes that haven't gone out yet, um, with people who are involved in in magazines, and um, like Mr. Biffo as well, who used to run the Digitizer Mm -hmm. on Teletext. And The subject keeps coming up about, especially magazines at the time. It felt like there was, um, it felt like that. It felt like a gang, you know, there was a, a very much an authorial voice around it, which is kind of lost now with online journalism to an extent because... I think because you don't have a crafted thing, um, and the fact that you had that feeling on a TV show, like it makes total sense that this is your thing that you're making and you're doing one a week. That's that's yeah. Of course you're gonna have that voice. We were doing one a
1: week, and and we had to memorize those stupid scripts and the Jesus. The people who were on the crew, I felt so bad for them because we couldn't. You know, by four (laughs) o'clock in the morning, and we're trying to do another eight minute piece to camera that you know is incredibly complicated because it's a review of our third game in that particular episode it was just it was insane it was completely insane but we were all very passionate about about um at least appearing like we knew what on earth we were talking about and i think all of us grew i don't to be honest i don't i don't think any of us knew we knew more than we thought but we certainly didn't know as much as we did eventually you know what i mean It, It. we definitely were the right people for that because we definitely knew more than we thought um and then you know and we each brought something we each brought something different to the table but yeah we were we were intrinsically uh and and intimately involved in the production of that series that's uh, it's great
0: it's ridiculous it's such an exciting like i was saying about like in, independent film and stuff was like it was super exciting and it was equally true for video games a little bit later like the kind of end of the 90s beginning of the 2000s games like just dramatically changed like, purely because of the technology well no partly because of the technology but especially in Britain like it's you know the way they were marketed totally changed and you know things like bits had a yeah. part in that and the way the Playstation was marketed to you know to clubbers and they put things like WiPA in uh, the Ministry of Sane things like that.
1: I, yeah all- I do think as well that it was because it was a coming of age you know I, yeah, I had totally. been with a really young kid like. and here I was t- 20 odd years later Actually talking about them in a serious way, and and that's something that has carried, you know, carried through all of my games journalism until 2009, and then subsequently, you know, the the stuff that I do about general technology, it's it's sort of it's taking it seriously, you know, it's it's taking it seriously. You know, Keith Stewart yeah. at the Guardian is to me one of the greatest games journalists in the UK Previous because guest he on treats the, show the also. He, just yeah, because annoying. he treats he treats the medium with such respect and has done forever, that you know it's the respect that that it actually deserves, um, as an art form. When you think about how much has gone into it, and certainly the technology at that time was was improving dramatically, um, and you know the the decision making and the and all of that kind of thing. It was also when games were getting an accredited course and you know all of that kind of thing. So it was a it was a really interesting period for the games industry as, as as a as a art form that was that was growing up. I wouldn't say I, the reason actually I I stopped participating in any kind of games conversations by 2009 is because I was like, well, you've stopped growing. Well done. <laughs> we've we've peaked. I'm not going to participate in this conversation anymore cuz I just found it I, I I found I was still having the same conversations. Yeah. You know, a decade and a half later. Um, whether it was about gender, which is, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I'm not in the midst of, of what was going on, but oh God, I'm so sorry for those poor women who, have been, just, just vilified and 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 threatened and destroyed, and it's just terrible, um, really awful, uh, the the kind of treatment that they've received over the last few years in GamerGate, it's really it's. It, I, I'm, oh it's it's unbelievable you know that the abuse that we experienced was minute it was still incredibly effective and powerful and painful it was really shocking what we experienced but it but there it's 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 graduated but there was no twitter um, there was it's no, graduated upwards. there was no facebook no there was but no, there was email and there was a lot of email that we used to receive that, uh, that you know perhaps maybe it's just more open now but yeah uh but yeah, but email so you can't sort of, or even you can't dis-
0: gang up on people in an email necessarily. You can't, you can't see somebody else what? sending an email and then lots of no, other people No, exactly. Jump There's on the not that
1: kind of group effect, I yeah. suppose. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, I mean, but the sort of the, the 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 it seemed to me that the conversation stagnated at at a at a level that I was just like, no, nah, I'm done with this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, my voice, my voice is not being heard, this is, I'm done um,
0: okay, okay. and that was
1: sort of why I, why I stopped
0: Well, let's, doing anything with games Do you remember, was there a specific moment or a specific game that kind of triggered that feeling in you initially that you wanted to take games more seriously, that you felt they were a, a much, more, much more of an art form and should be taken more seriously or was it just a general feeling because when you're working on bits you're getting to see so many different things
1: you know, we saw so many games. We did something like 7 series of the nighttime of the nighttime, of the nighttime uh, version and I think 4 series of the daytime version. And there were 6 episodes in each series and each of us reviewed that at least 2 games. Yeah, that's we crazy. reviewed at least 2 games. So that's 12 per series times 7 is 84 times you know four is four so we we reviewed individually so many games that it's it's impossible it truly is impossible for me to kind of identify you know the Peter Molyneux games are always a good fallback um Sim City was great fun of course because it, it was driven by sociological intention which which I delighted in as a nascent at that time sociologist and psychologist um and things like Grim Fandango you know even even before I got involved in the in the in reviewing for a living Grim Fandango just made me laugh and that was really unusual I thought that the story was complex and the characters were were deep and then fast forward I was obsessed with GTA when it first came out I mean I tell you I was obsessed
0: particularly because it
1: used to come out What's that?
0: The top down. Oh yeah, GTA, top down. Yeah. And
1: then the second one, and then by three D, by the third one, I sort of lost the love. Not just because they stopped releasing on my birthday, because they used to release on my birthday every year, which I was I was particularly <laughs> particularly pleased with. <laughs> um, but no, just just I just started to lose the interest because it kind of lost the humor for me. And I remember it was at that point that it actually became a really big deal, and people used to love 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 it. And I was like, well, I'm that's not the game for me. That's not the thing for me and then when the whole co- coffee thing came out and everything to do with oh, coffee i've about that I was, for so long yeah was such when a big all deal. that happened it was just like oh for god's sake really are we still playing this game oh my god really come on guys and then um i i would get really violent threats for speaking out against booth babes and all this kind of stuff and it's just uh, so that was kind of what turned me off um, from it. That and also the fact that um, I just at the time found very few people who were willing to have um, intelligent conversations about them. <laughs> you know, I was still I was still a bit of a, a novelty, both as a woman, but also as somebody who wanted to have intelligent conversations about them. And I certainly thought that by that point, you know, when Channel 4 is investing in games and winning winning. BAFTAs and you know in fact BAFTAs got a, an interactive award and all this kind of stuff I just thought <laughs> one step forward but two steps back and
0: did you like did you continue to play after bits though like I mean obviously you carried on writing I did. stuff but, but did yeah yeah was it just so purely like as, a, as called... a fun thing
1: yeah I absolutely I, I, I did another series called Thumb Bandits with Ian Lee which was of I course you did two, yeah series of that yeah uh that that was only two series. And then, and then, yeah, I, I was on the, I was very lucky to be, um, on the guardians games blog, which was just an amazing experience. It was a wonderful transition for me. Um, and it allowed me to still play games and talk about games and think about games, but in a different format while I was doing my, my master's and my PhD. So yeah, that was, and then, and then I, I called it quits in 2009. That's when I stopped playing games altogether. That is, so I know I'm, I'm very genuinely aware that there is a there's an entire library of, of games that I that I'm not intimate with, and that you know there's going to be a million people saying, well, what about this game and what about this game and you should really play this game, and it's like I'm 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 done at the minute. I, I don't even have time to look at my my difficult my difficult Canadian intellectual <laughs> <laughs> indie cinema. <laughs> I I really you know it, it is the age old classic thing that I just. I don't have to i fall asleep at 7 p.m every
0: night it's, like, it's just <laughs> insane well i we're going to get to that but i'm going to do um a few relatively quick fire questions um okay so
1: and i'm sorry to say i'm walking past a playground so you're going to hear sounds like some songs and some children playing that is in the nothing to there.
0: apologize for that is this, this okay. is this is this is an interactive experience we're exploring los is. angeles while chatting um it certainly is. No, I'm, I'm I'm selling it on that. I think it's a great premise, Alex. Um, well you, you, we we just touched on this a second ago, actually, because you said you know it's very rare for games to make you laugh, and I think it still is a very rare thing for games to do. So aside from Grim Fandango, can you think of any games that have really made
1: you laugh? <laughs> My silence is giving it away, isn't it? Yeah, it's no, forcing it me to really think. It's a weird one. i used to laugh a lot at gta um i know it's a really old one but i loved the radio stations and i would literally just drive around just to listen to the radio yeah um
0: and they were great like really right happy. back at the start as well like people forget it yes. feels like that was a 3d thing but they were brilliant like right from the get-go
1: yeah absolutely wonderful uh, very silly you know because it was yeah. all written at the time they didn't have the they didn't have the license for all the music, and then it, it all became licensed and a lot more serious. And <laughs> um, so I suppose GTA GTA really did make me laugh. Um, sorry, GTA really did make me laugh. And then, uh, you know, there were some other. There's one game that I wrote a lot about, which was a British game, and it was very silly. Um, and, I, and I've been racking my brain for the last two years, and I, I kid you not, probably once monthly I think about this game, and I cannot remember the name of it. And I used it, I've written about it as a kind of a canonical example of British game development, just in terms of the humor and in terms of the silliness and in terms of the self-deprecation and all of that. Cannot for the life of me remember what game that was. What was it um, about? You... Yeah. Again, this is why I haven't been able to find it because my recollection is so vague about it, which is really unhelpful. I reviewed it for bits. This goes back to the fact that you know I reviewed eight thousand games for bits, and um, so I, you know, everything was wiped over. It, there were little like minions. It wasn't minions, but there were little like creatures that, and it wasn't it wasn't black and white. There was. Oh, dungeon God, There were little. No, Dungeon Keeper made me laugh, that's true. But that's a Peter Molyneux game. This Overlord, not Molyneux Overlord game. is the one with the little minions. No. No, I don't think so, but it was <sighs> I'm so depressed that I can't remember because it it is one of those things if I look straight at it, I cannot see it. Um
0: but It was from around it, that sort of time, like late nineties, early two thousands. Yes, seasons.
1: and it was a PC game, and there were little guys that you that that were sort of form formless. They looked a little bit like Barba Papa, if you're familiar with that that French genre, okay. that French um, storybook, and they built things and again it sounds very much like black and white but it's not black and white it wasn't that that not was Lennings, far more no, serious that's, that's far too obvious no, no 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 that's earlier that's that's even earlier i really wish that i could remember what it was because it just made me laugh i just sort of wryly smile um but that's well, that i'm afraid all evening <laughs> i know this is what <laughs> i mean it's been it's been years and i've been thinking about this game and i cannot remember it um
0: uh, i'm just going to cut in briefly here to save you the the trouble I did spend all evening googling because it did really annoy me, and I confirmed with Alex that the game that she was thinking of that we couldn't remember was Sacrifice, a game produced by uh, Shiny Entertainment, and uh, by all accounts, a forgotten classic. Let's carry on. So, whatever that and, game is, and then, then nothing
1: else. Yeah, whatever the, whatever <laughs> that game is, exactly. And then, otherwise, I can't think of anything that genuinely has made me chuckle. That genuinely has made me think, oh, yes, that's quite funny.
0: Yeah, notice no. this this area. Um Okay, so what it's game? It's wonderful that. What game are you best at? If you had to play a game with death for your soul, what game would you play?
1: <laughs> I, remember, I remember once meeting somebody uh, in a in a bar. It was a games event. Meeting somebody at a bar in uh, in London, in Hoxton Square, and they had set it all up. It was a it was a '80s arcade night, and this guy came up to me. I'm like basically forced me to play 1942 with him. Okay. And I was like, I haven't played this game in 150 years. And he's like, I just want to beat you at it. And I was like, I, this isn't a fair challenge. <laughs> what a weird you've game to choose been practicing. as well. I know. You've obviously been practicing 1942 just in case you run into me and you, and you want to beat me at it. It was so odd. What game am I best at?
0: Oh no! Wait, you need you need to finish that story. Did 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 he win? Did he lose? Did you win? Of
1: course he won. Okay. Of course he won. There was no way I was gonna win that game. The dude had been practicing. Like I couldn't. I if I managed to last an entire screen, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a. Oh. Sorry, um, it's a Twitch game. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no way that I there's no way I could have done that. Um, I'm pretty good at SingStar. Uh, <laughs> that was sort of one of my denouement games, um, and I'm I'm actually really good at World Series. No, so you no, just, because you it's you not about it singing. Game the system. That's the inter- yeah, it's not about singing. That's the interesting thing about SingStar is it's not about singing. It's about hitting the notes in a particular way, because it's a game. It doesn't have you know your voice is very good quotient. It has how how accurately have you. How accurately have you moved the controller, which is your voice, into the position that we expect? Right, that's what yes. it is. It has nothing to do with singing. It's a mechanical device. It's a mechanical you know, thing, um, and that's how it that's how it grades your your performance. They didn't well, use I'm that good in the, the ad mechanical
0: campaign,
1: though. The, exactly that that didn't <laughs> that didn't sort of make it, did it? Um, but you know that possibly that was that was informative as to, into the. The other, <laughs> the other intellectual pursuits that, that I that I continue to, to chase after I stop playing video games. Um, which one am I particularly good at? Let's let's stick with SingStar and okay, use that perfect. as a platform to to leap into into more. into into deeper uh
0: into deeper conversations
1: um if
0: if you're prone to such things alex what what was your worst rage quit
1: i am definitely prone to those things oh my god don't play scrabble with me well i didn't finish super mario brothers until 2002 um Probably very much for exactly that reason, that I just couldn't I just couldn't finish it. Um, I finally finished it on the Game Boy. And that's not because I don't have staying power. I did try. For, oh, it says a know, lot that you went more back than to a it and decided to, uh, I'm going to finish this oh, game. Oh, yeah. For decades, I tried to finish this stupid game.
0: <laughs> and I did
1: manage it. But I wasn't ever a completist because I thought, finally, I found the princess. I'm not going to go and try and find all the Easter eggs. There's literally... <laughs> My life is too short. I can't do this. I'm obviously... Oh hello. And and to you little puppy. Um I'm obviously, you know, not good enough at this game <laughs> to spend to spend another 15 years. Oh. Oh yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely a rage quitter. Have you broken definitely. things? Definitely. Stupid game. Oh, I know what game I'm really good at. <laughs> Fantavision. Do you I do. Yeah, I bloody love Fantavision. I loved that game. They I just re-released it for the PlayStation right 4, now, in fact.
0: It's have wonderful they? Oh, they have.
1: It is. It, oh no, that fills me with such joy. I loved that game so much, and I was really good at it. Mm, was I good at it? Twitch games, very good.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Um, this, this is this is a, a slightly more esoteric question, but do you remember? A place in a video game a screen or a uh, part of a level that you convinced led somewhere secret but you never could figure it out
1: well everywhere in bloody Super Mario Brothers <laughs> um, you know because everybody kept telling me about the Easter eggs and etc and I was like I would try no though um, there was never anything that I couldn't, I mean, this kind of contradicts myself, but there was never anything that I couldn't find. Unless, I, and I mean, I feel like a, a granny talking about these games, but unless, you know, you're talking about text adventures, I would find myself deeply, deeply, deeply lost down blind alleys. And then waving a, a sword at me. Um, that would be my best my best example of that in terms of other games no no i think i was pretty good at sussing out when there was something secret and perhaps that's (laughs) exactly the reason why i never did go back to super Mario brothers because (laughs) there was so much that was secret that it would just it would have it literally would have taken another 15 years to to fully complete the game for me but yeah I, i would say text adventures weirdly that is fascinating
0: um on a similar tip to the Rage Quit, actually, um, are you uh, a competitive gamer? Do you get competitive when you play Ridiculously games? Ridiculously so. Okay. Yes,
1: absolutely. I'm competitive in everything in my life. Absolutely everything. And I think that the, you know, the sign that I'm getting older is, a sign, is, is when I say things like, well, you know, know your limits. Like, where did that come from? That's <laughs> ridiculous. Know your limits? My God, Alex, come on. Snap out of it. Um, yes, I'm incredibly competitive in, in everything that I do. Um, And it's not just against other people. It's also competitive with myself. Um, An offline example is chess. Okay. I will not play chess with anybody. And the reason is, is because I do not know it well enough that I have, I have no, there is no capability for me to beat somebody playing chess. And that therefore means that it is futile and I just won't even try. Like that's like, that's the degree, which is stupid because when I was a kid, I played chess. So somewhere inside my monkey brain, I know that a pawn moves x and i know that a knight moves y and a rook does this but it's in my monkey brain right i I don't know it enough to play against somebody else and i get really flustered and then i rage quit and then there are tears and then i feel really stupid and (laughs) foolish because actually what i've just done is i've had a temper tantrum and and i'm way too old for that kind of thing and so i've learned my limits and i don't play chess with anybody
0: is there is there a specific example of you like um getting competitive with the game and kind of taking it way too far like you know i'm thinking rocky uh, montage levels of going away and training and then coming back for the rematch you didn't go back Good and study question. 1942 and then come back no to that i guy. did not <laughs> and, and then later. go and find that guy
1: no but that's like no that i did not do i didn't do i always you know people took me on face value they really did i so I'm, yes, no, they took me on face value. The only thing that I ever went back to in my life and got better and better and better and better and better because, by golly, I was going to do it, was volleyball. That was the only thing. I I never did it for, for a computer game, and I never did it for a board game. I never practiced. I did tennis as well. Okay. I felt willing to kind of to go back and sort of become physically better at these things. But no, not for not for a computer game, weirdly. Why
0: volleyball? Despite the fact
1: that I am why volleyball? Yeah. Because I started playing it when I was twelve and then I moved to Brighton and picked up beach volleyball and played at a national level. <laughs> I was obsessed, completely obsessed. That's very impressive. Yeah, I, I, did I played not it know know that. as a kid. Yeah, I played I played um indoor volleyball. I learned indoor volleyball rules outside mm-hmm. in California. And then I played beach volleyball in the UK.
0: Some may for say about that was years, the wrong way to you go. Know,
1: I know, exactly. We would have to chip the ice on the sand when we would play New Year's. What? What? <laughs> that that's so stupid. But yeah, and a beach. now, Let's a the bit beach. like chess. Yeah, I know. Now, a bit like chess, I'm a bit too nervous to play here because everybody's going to be so much better than me. <laughs> and I can't compete. So I'm not going to. Know your limits. Now, this is the thing that's just occurred
0: to me as we've been chatting about this. Um, when you sort of originally started doing doing bits and, and becoming more kind of more of a, a personality, let's say, in the, the video game sphere, did you feel um did you feel like you had to be good at games? Because especially yes. like late nineties Absolutely. There was much less experiential gaming and it was much more about com- competitiveness and Twitch games.
1: I had to be good at games, particularly because I was a girl. And you you consciously because all thought of the that, comments yeah? that we got. Yes. No, I knew it because, because basically all of the conversations that I was having or that were being had at me in the back channel were people saying, you're a girl, you can't play games. You're a girl, you can't play games. You're a girl, you can't play games. They're girls, they can't play games. And I was like, screw you, screw you. I'm going to become the best. And I'm going to know how to talk about this in a way that's going to leave you in the dust because because you can't tell me i can't do something because i'm a girl especially not games don't be
0: stupid <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting because like i've I've spoken to a lot of women on the show and like what did you feel like growing up as a kid that it was like boys uh, games were a thing for boys and not for girls no. because nobody i've no. spoken to has had that feeling
1: but weirdly no. i no i had i had these games i played them with my dad no exactly but see, I was also, I was, I've never been, a whatever the definition of a girl is, I've never been that, you know? Yeah. I've, I've whatever that is, I've, I'm sure I went through a princess phase, but it was probably short lived. I think I owned a Barbie, but you know, whatever. But I'm sure I did girl things, but it never, you know, it, it never, it wasn't a thing. It was, it was just a thing I did. It wasn't a girl thing or a boy thing. It was just a, just a thing, wasn't yeah. it? But so no, no, it's I, weird it though, wasn't, because
0: I, I did feel that, and like I feel bad. Not, not like. You felt like it was a. Yeah, n- not not that felt like it was, it was a
1: boy thing that girls weren't allowed.
0: No, 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 no. Not, not in that bad. sense, but my, I, I felt that it was something that boys did that girls weren't interested in. And I think that was largely because of the the, the the media that I would have consumed, like magazines, especially. Like I'm talking like when I'm, you know, like young teens, basically. And I would have bought it all the magazines. And more would have been, it was definitely more pronounced. It was here's for the boys and all the it, ads and it stuff. was
1: definitely more pronounced in the UK and i can tell you that sort of factually because i experienced both you know i grew i grew up in the states games were games were for the family they were not for boys or for girls even as i was growing older i played with other women you know they were not yeah. one or the other um it really it wasn't like that and then i came to the UK and was really struck by how gendered it was and how angry people were about girls playing games like they were angry they were really pissed off See, i don't get that, that girls are like, playing games as much as and I it was had had it was a, and i looked Sorry, But i looked on. i looked at the no it's okay i looked at the media that was that was you know available at the time because it was the early internet and so you could you could look up things and definitely looking at the ads and looking at the um looking at the ads looking at magazines it was so gendered, and so I think that it might have been really might have been a British thing rather than a rather than a, a global thing. Like, the, yeah, the UK is is certainly more gendered than the US. I found that by I found years of living in the UK, I've been really surprised. Yeah. I went back and was like, "Oh my goodness, wow, okay, All right." There's a there is a there's a there's a very um, distinct Split between what's what's allowable for girls and what's allowable for boys. um and I mean that in like the adult sense as well, yeah. not in a like uh, not in a the u k is parochial and all that kind of thing, but it was the u s. is extremely on the opposite side. They're like anybody can do anything anytime they want, especially if they have enough money to do it. Yeah. So you know the, it's I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that it it it's an observation that I've had since I've been back, yeah,
0: I and mean, it, it, the anger that I don't understand like it was always um to me it was always like i would have been delighted if i thought girls were into video games especially as like this kind of awkward teenager but to me mm. it was it was something that i i had to hide from girls like i didn't want to be too geeky otherwise girls wouldn't like me because girls don't like games it was, it was very much that kind of feeling
1: well maybe um, you were looking at the wrong girls
0: i absolutely 100 percent was um absolutely 100 was <laughs> i learned that to my peril Happens many years best later best. um yeah exactly so uh <laughs> that's quite funny so how did you um so you stopped playing games in 2009 and you made a very purposeful decision to do that mm-hmm. i did because yep. there was no more um the conversation wasn't i just found that the conversations yeah
1: i what but also i found that that um in the in the games industry people were it was like an in-out group. Maybe this goes back to what we were talking about before, about how it's all or nothing. Yeah, Games were not interested in finding out anything else about how they could learn and what they could do to become better or compelling to different audiences. Whereas I found other technology industries were like, what's going on in games? What's going on in music? What's going on over here? What's going on over here? I'm trying to figure out all of these different things, trying to understand so that they themselves could, could become better a better more inclusive more um, more interesting medium whereas games were like well why should we bother talking to them because we've got what they want and so and I was like I don't I didn't like that attitude I thought I thought that was very short-sighted and people would ask me how do I get into games should I take this games course or this games course and I'd say no go do English literature go do psychology go take a chemistry course do something else so that what you bring to the games industry, is a different perspective rather than just somebody who's you know who's been trained to to design games in a particular way or you know think that this is this is the best story this is the most compelling way to do it and and that that insularity um certainly as i started to discover more about internet research when i was doing my academic work um all of that kind of thing it it it, it really struck me that i just thought this isn't for me anymore because uh, i don't want to be part of a gang that's not interested in in getting to know other people i mean and I'm... it was such a shame i was so sad i was genuinely really sad about yeah. this
0: but like i mean i'm sure i'm sure i'm 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 certain in fact that people will have said to you in almost you know monthly or, or yearly or ever since then that games have been so good, like the last seven years of yeah. games, like there's oh, been absolutely. such a resurgence. There's been v- exactly what you're saying. You know, people coming from other disciplines, largely I think I know, because, I'm so the, because the tools have become so democratized. Because there is absolutely so much around. And I speak to people, you know, every week, and I'm, I'm trying my best to speak to as diverse a group of people as I can from all over the world. Yeah. And and you're starting to see like like scenes, like video game scenes popping up in cities <laughs> in the same way you would have done, you know. Like music scenes in the 80s and the 90s, you know, there, there, is, there are styles. Totally. There is a New York Absolutely. style and an LA style. And it's really exciting. So, like, you know, it's wonderful. And that's when kind do of you thing jump that back I in, think... Alex,
1: essentially. Uh, because, because, and I'll tell you why, for the same reason that I'm not going to play chess. Because now I'm so out of it, I would not know how to get back into it. It would require so much of my time to truly understand what it is that I'm getting into, to understand the lineage, to understand the progeny, to understand even the finger language. You know, when I, when I first was, you know, re-getting into games in the, in the sort of mid nineties, late nineties, there wasn't as much of a lineage. There wasn't as much of a, of a history that I didn't know about. Now, As you say, I'd have to figure out if I was in the New York scene or in the L.A. scene or the Detroit scene or the London scene or the Edinburgh scene or the Cambridge scene. You know, I would need to kind of it would take such a long time that I would feel like a fish out of water and I wouldn't understand what actually is going on. I wouldn't be able to appreciate and I would dismiss and I would make mistakes and I would be embarrassed. It's the same reason that I I struggled to determine which virtual world I was going to use as the fieldwork for my PhD. Because I knew that whichever world I decided on, whichever one it was, that had a particular culture, that had a particular way of being that I would arrive in as a total innocent, not know what to do. And it would take me X number of months, years to truly understand it and to truly get it and to feel like I was at one with it. I move around the world constantly. It's just, I I have itchy feet. I can't stop doing it. And what I've recently discovered, and it's taken me this long to realize, is that the the hardest bloody thing, it takes a year to move somewhere because you just have to figure out where all the stuff is. You have to know (laughs) where the grocery store is. You have to know how to get a library card. You have to know, you have to get access to to funds, right? But I found that the most difficult thing to, to, to find and when i find it i know that i've actually situated myself in a place is a hairdresser okay how do i find a hairdresser that's going to cut my hair right and that takes trial and error and the and the the challenge for me is as you know my ego tied up in my hair as it were is that you know i can't afford to make that error because i'll be walking around looking like an asshole with <laughs> a mullet <laughs> or whatever it is you know, and then it's going to take ages for my hair to grow back. And then, and then I have to go through the whole process again of asking people and finding out and all that kind of thing. It's really, really difficult to find somebody to cut my hair in a way that I like it. And it's the same thing. I know that there is a richness and a vibrancy and a, and a real sort of resurgence of, of independence and, and excitement and new stories that are in games. But I just don't understand it now. And it would take me such a long time to come to terms with it and at the moment i just don't have time that's you know, why and it's it's sad but it's the truth
0: it is and i think i think you absolutely could i mean obviously i'm going to say that um but <laughs> i don't think given the the conversation we've had i don't think you could to a level that would satisfy you <laughs> to you know <laughs> being that in you could happen when i do something I go, deep. Exactly. I
1: go deep i can't i don't graze I got a PhD, for God's sake. What a stupid <laughs> thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, I could have just been like, oh, this is what social influence is and just reckoned something and waved my hands around. No, I had to actually, like, study this shit, you know? And it's the same thing. Like, I had to go really deep into video games last time I, last time I was so deeply in, into video games. And that was, that was a decade of my life. And it's been, you know, almost another decade since I've actually been involved in games. And I feel that emptiness. I feel that, loss of time very very distinctly and i would not appreciate what it would be that i would be going into the 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 work the the legend you know the 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 you know, even the sequels. Yeah, I'm stuck in like Lara Croft in like 1995. No, maybe not. But you know what I mean. Like that's where I'm coming from.
0: We're, in a, we're we live in a reboot it, culture. It's fine. You just jump in like once every five years. They'll just they'll start it again. It's fine. You can get in on. You're calling me. You're
1: calling me a new hope. You're calling me Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: um, but like m- maybe you know we kind of come full circle with the VR chat. Maybe with you know. Um, The evolutions in virtual reality that you can all of these things will converge and you can you can get back into not just video games but your awkward canadian movies as well and it'll all be (laughs) one thing within one virtual world that you can explore
1: that's it and i'll become a national level volleyball player again (laughs) maybe i just need to know my limits
0: maybe maybe um that was wonderful alex thanks so much for chatting have you reached your destination or are you still lounging in the sun
1: no I'm well I'm almost at my destination I got closer to it but I did find another place where there were fewer people and fewer dogs
0: I've enjoyed, so in a I've, enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed the walk
1: Oh good well thank you for joining me in the sunshine I hope you did get a little bit of vitamin D. Um
0: I should say uh, if there's anything you like we missed that you wanted to mention or if there's any if you want to tell people where they can find you online etc please take that chance
1: Um I feel pretty good with what we covered. Like I say, I think it was pretty revealing. <laughs> These things I end up finding out more about myself. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to offer that get service. Good out of it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, doctor. Um, <laughs> no, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I appeared to be quite negative about games. Um, it feels I felt uh, like I was a little bit so, negative about games. No, But no, all. I think we're good i think we're good welcome to fantavision please enjoy this fantastic journey that, gets
0: my heart pumping. Three chain. that was great right i'm very excited to have alex on the show and i've got a lot more exciting guests coming up uh, if you enjoyed the show please do rate and review on itunes tell your friends all that good stuff. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Hope to see you next week, and here's to uh, to a wonderful 2017. Two Daisy Seven Chain. Two Daisy. Beware, coward.